Well, hello and welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, several sources cite the fact that although there are approximately 173,000 women in law enforcement today, that only represents about 11.7% of all law enforcement officers. Historically, the evolution of policing went from a male-dominated profession to one that is nuanced and more reflective of the collective population in America. Well, there's a move afoot called 30 by 30 that aims to increase women in policing to a more representative 30% by 2030. Well, the 30 by 30 initiative is a coalition of police leaders, researchers, and professional organizations, including the founding partners, Policing Project and NOLI, the National Association of Women Law Enforcement Executives, as well as the Police Executive Leader Research Forum, PERF, Law Enforcement Action Partnership, LEAP, the National Police Foundation, and the International Association of Women Police, who have joined together to advance the representation and experiences of women in policing agencies across the United States. Well, today our guests are Yvonne Roman, former chief of Newark, New Jersey, and Maureen Quinn McGough. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Well, great to have you. Yvonne Roman is the former chief of Newark, New Jersey. She works at the Center for Policing Equity and is pursuing a PhD in public policy and community development. She's an advocate for women in policing, founding the Women's Leadership Academy, which led to a fellowship at TED Talks. She was selected as the National Institute of Justice Lead Scholar, where she met DOJ Senior Policy Advisor, Maureen McGough. Together, they convened the National Institute of Justice Women in Policing Summit, and using that summit report as a foundation, Maureen and Yvonne co-founded the 30 by 30 initiative. Mo McGough is the Chief of Staff at the Policing Project at the New York School of Law, where she oversees efforts to reimagine public safety and improve democratic accountability. She's an attorney and has previously served as a senior policy advisor at the United States DOJ, where she focused on system level reform and advancing evidence-based policing. She's the co-founder of the 30 by 30 initiative. Well, welcome and tell us, tell us about this 30 by 30 project. So uh, the program that Maureen started while she was at the DOJ was the, the Lead Scholars Program. It's Law Enforcement Advancing Data and Science. And that is um, showing middle managers in policing how to integrate evidence-based policies and practices into their police agencies. So when I was there, I was working on the attrition rates in my own police agency, and I had access to um, the science-based literature. And I found that there were many benefits to women in policing, but um, for reasons that could not be explained uh, clearly and easily, women were stuck at around 12% nationally for over 30 years. So she and I began a conversation on, on what could we uh, do to address that stagnation and so that police departments could reap those benefits that the research evidence described about uh, the way women police. Mo? 
Yeah. So, you know, as Yvonne mentioned, there's a lot of research out there about the demonstrable benefits of having more women on the force. So they use less force and excessive force. They have better relationships with diverse communities. They're seen as more trustworthy. They're named in lawsuits less. They even get better outcomes for crime victims. So what we've done is we've partnered with a host of different police professional organizations and police leaders to launch 30 by 30. And the overarching goal is, of course, to get to 30 percent of women in police recruit classes by the year 2030. But equally as important is improving representation of women in all ranks of the department and also ensuring that police culture and policies adequately support the success of diverse officers. So that's what we're looking to build. Oh, that's awesome. So you're, you're touching on a long, a long list of, of things to do, and you're going you're gonna to have to hit a wall when we talk about recruiting. And can you reach these goals with the, the issues that we're having with recruiting today? So I believe by uh, addressing the barriers that we've been uh, speaking about, that police departments can actually diversify and increase the number of people that they're recruiting. A lot of times uh, people are weeded out early on in the process um, through arbitrary um, standards, um, be it the, the fitness exams or uh, tattoo policies, right? By addressing the barriers that the research states are there, they can actually increase the recruitment pool. And we all know that right now there's a recruitment crisis. Um, we were feeling it um, before uh, the events of um, last summer with the killing of George Floyd. So I think by um, signing up to this, it actually will improve the recruitment outcomes for, for agencies. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think pursuing this work in the midst of a recruitment crisis is maybe a bit of a benefit because it's a really unique opportunity to admit that what we've previously done isn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. And part of what we're advocating for in our pledge is, is for people to start getting accurate about what the job of policing entails and what skills are necessary to do it well. Um, I'm sure we've all sort of seen these uh, recruitment materials that show just a sort of hyper-masculinized version of policing, you know? We've got uh, stories of somebody from a really small jurisdiction that didn't have any aviation assets that had a recruitment video of people hanging out of a helicopter with a giant gun strapped to their chest, right? Like, let's start getting accurate about what police do most of the time and what skills are necessary to do that. And I think when you start doing that, you'll naturally see both an increase in applicants and an increase in the diversity of those applicants. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, show a more realistic version of the job. I've seen your website. You have a great website. And are you showing any strategies of where to recruit from? And are we, are we adjusting standards? Uh, Chief Roman, you talked a little bit about some of the standards that we have and, and maybe weeding out um, for physical skills that aren't really relevant to the job. Are, so what are the, are there specific strategies involved? So um, I use the military as an example. The military will make sure that you're fit enough to um, engage in a physical fitness program. And then they train you to meet their standards. So um, the, the barrier to get in it, it is low, right? Because they know that there will be uh, gains in physical fitness and stamina and strength from the training that they're going to provide you. Mm -hmm. And if they see that someone is struggling, they'll provide the coaching, the mentoring to get that person to the finish line. The goal in the military is to get as many people to that finish line because we have a voluntary um, military, right? We, we, we don't um, force people to serve. So they want to make sure that the people that have been screened make it to that finish line. But law enforcement 
seems to do the opposite, right? They weed them out in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, They need to take a page out of the military, right? If the military had the attrition rates that police departments have, there would be major concerns and and possibly replacing whoever was uh, creating the, the fitness exam because the goal isn't to eliminate soldiers, it's to create soldiers. And Jim, I really appreciate the way you worded that question too. You know, a lot of times when we have these discussions, there's an immediate jump. If you're trying to diversify the force, then you're trying to lower the standards of the force. And that's not at all what we're advocating for. You know, if you, if you look at our pledge, really what we hope people do is take a look at their assessment and make sure that the requirements of the assessment reflect the requirements of the job. And those uh, physical fitness assessments by and large have not been validated. Um, and that's what we're advocating for our departments to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And it, it's great that you have the leadership organizations, the national leadership organizations as part of the goal. And um, because sometimes we're gonna have to go to state post uh, standards and, and talk to them about it because I mean, agencies are bound by the, the state standards in, in most cases. Yep. So um, what's the message to women in policing already um, with the recruitment uh, a push of nearly 20% more, adding another 18% more um, women to policing? Well, so in designing... Uh... Nope, all you. (laughs) So in in designing the pledge, right, we're not only addressing barriers to recruitment, but we're also addressing barriers to women succeeding in policing, to being promoted. So uh, we we thought of the women that are going to become law enforcement officers and the ones within the police department and what challenges they're facing. So we had a a broad array of opinions of uh, retired people, of active people, and we took all of aspects into consideration when designing a, a pledge that addresses all the needs holistically of, of, of women in policing um, coming in or those that are trying to ascend the ranks and um, aspire to a leadership positions. Yeah, I, I can't emphasize that enough. You know, this, this pledge isn't just about getting more women in the door. It's about transforming the culture to better support the diverse people within the department. So um, just sort of acknowledging that this entire initiative has been built by people who are uh, among the ranks and have experience firsthand and understand the challenges and how best to overcome them. Well, that's great. So yeah, it's organic from, from within. So they've already got a, a, a hand in, in the 30 by 30 initiative. Well, well, that's great. I'd, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor and we will be right back. PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's policeone, the number one, dot com forward slash registration. And we are back with uh, retired chief Yvonne Roman and Mo Gwyn McGough talking about 30 by 30 initiative. 
And uh, we've heard some good things about where you're going. So what sort of headway have you made? And, and are you on your timeline? Are you hitting your goals so far? Excellent question. So I can hop in here. Um, you know, we launched two weeks ago and we're already at 56 participating agencies. Our goal is to get to 250 agencies within the first year. And based on our initial response, we have absolutely no doubt that we're going to hit that goal. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting when we're sort of talking internally, 250 agencies feels very ambitious. But at the end of the day, that's a drop in the bucket of the number of policing agencies that there are in this country. Um, so one of the things that we're also heartened by is that, uh, you know, the, I, the concept of the importance of women in policing is starting to be part of the national discussion as well. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, this is an extraordinary time in American policing, and there's a lot of attention around sort of reimagining what it is that police do. Um, and, you know, we're excited to see that there's also discussions of reimagining who police are. Um, like if you had a training out there that had all of the outcomes that are associated with women officers, every department would be implementing that training, right? So uh, we're just really excited to see the traction um, and looking forward to it continuing to grow. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. That, that goal is, isn't, um, you know, out of, out of sight with 18,000 law enforcement agencies in America. What, what would an agency need to do to sign on with the 30 by 30? Um, excellent question. So uh, if you go to our website, it's www.30x30initiative.org. Um, there's instructions for signing up there. It's very simple. And um, we've got the full text of the pledge. We want to make sure you know exactly what it is that you're signing up for. Um, and then if you uh, reach out to us through the site, we'll send you a letter of intent. And um, at that point, once your, your chief signs, you'll be good to go. Um, just a little bit about what the pledge is and sort of what you receive when you sign up, because I think that's important. You know, the pledge is really the first step of the 30 by 30 initiative. So that idea of getting to 30% recruit classes and transforming culture, that's, that's our nine year goal. But in the immediate term for these first two years, we've developed a pledge that's just a series of no and low cost activities that a police department can start doing today to make a difference in, in this area. Um, so we want to make sure that people are sort of signing up, you know, with, with their eyes wide open as to as in terms of what they're um, signing up for. But once you do, you're, you'll be entered into this community of practice of other agencies across the country. And we've got everything from state police, major metro to, you know, small and rural. Uh, and to just sort of learn in real time from your peers uh, and, and have some access to the types of technical assistance that we can provide in terms of connecting people to subject matter experts, providing support for focus groups, things like that. Great. So you touched on it briefly. So any police agency, sheriff's department, campus police, tribal police, everybody is welcome to join the 30 by 30 initiative. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was specifically designed to be um, sort of flexible based on your size and your resources and your capacity. We know everybody's at different stages of this work and we're ready and able to support people no matter where they are in the process. Great. Terrific. Chief, anything to add to that? So uh, we've provided a, a broad array of um, solutions. And because we created this community of practice, agencies can learn from each other. We're not going to say that we have all the answers, but we've looked at the research literature. We've spoken to people uh, working within policing and on uh, scholars. And we're hoping to, to develop other practices that may be promising, right? So you don't have to have a really super funded agency in order to engage in this work. We have low cost solutions, no cost solutions. So we're uh, providing solutions and learning what works in other agencies so we can share that knowledge. That's terrific. Low cost and no cost. I think every chief would sit up and pay attention to that. <laughs> 
So we talked a little bit about recruiting and uh, once we get them in the door, uh, are we talking about retention and mentorship as part of the plan? Will we have uh, as part of your plan to bring established officers as mentors in to, to guide the newbies? Um, excellent question. And I'm really glad you asked because retention is probably the most important part of this pledge. One of the things that we've learned from other countries where they have policing agencies that are a lot closer to parity than we are, is that you have to address issues with retention and culture first before you can actually see the improvements in recruitment. One, because you're more likely to be successful in your recruiting efforts if your agency has addressed those internal issues. And two, the last thing you want to do is bring a bunch of people into the door that you're not going to be able to keep because the agency isn't set up to support their success. So retention is critical. And one of our um, recommendation areas in the pledge does recommend the establishment of a mentorship program if it doesn't already exist. Um, you know, one of the things we learned at the national summit is how complicated mentorship of women officers can be in a policing agency. Because for many women who are looking for mentors, they already are the highest ranking person in their agency. And they might have to look pretty far away from where their jurisdiction is to find a woman in a higher rank who can advise them. So, you know, really encouraging people to think it doesn't have to necessarily be a, a, a woman mentor. Like what you need is an advocate and someone who can help you grow professionally. And then part of the reason why we're building this initiative the way that we are is to provide that community of practice so that if women are looking for a mentor, they're able to find it more easy, easily if they're not able to find one in their jurisdiction. Chief, anything to add to that? So to Mo's point, uh, because women are underrepresented, uh, a mentor, an advocate may not be what uh, someone routinely thinks of, right? Another woman, right? Um, a perfect example is our dear friend, um, Ken Clary. He was from Iowa State Police. He was a captain. He is an advocate of women in policing. He flew out to the only two female sergeants in Iowa State Police to Newark to meet me and uh, to see how they could set up their own program to increase women in policing. He is now a chief of police in um, Bellevue, Bellevue, Nebraska. And he did a fantastic job of recruiting other agencies in Nebraska. He is the advocate, right? So we, we can't wrap our heads around like this narrow frame of who can be an advocate or who could be a mentor because he's one of our biggest advocates and, and a dear friend of ours. Yeah, that's great. That's great that you're saying that. And so, so I'm, I want to wrap up and, and I want to ask you about some of the several examples we've seen of high profile women, a lot of women chiefs uh, across America today. And um, we've seen the, the issues with COVID and um, the issues of use of force. And one of our leaders took a stand uh, in support of her troops, Chief Carmen Best from Seattle. She, she did her best to uh, stand up for the troops, but ultimately she retired due to political attacks on her personally and her department. So uh, is there a part of the plan to support our current leaders and our ascending leaders um, to give them the support and the tools to use with communities to, to garner support? So communities have uh, demanded uh, progressive policing and um, a lot of the chiefs that we've seen uh, retire this year have been those that have been labeled progressive that were hired because of the skill set that they brought in. Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, someone like Carmen Best, uh, there was an issue with the, her budget being slashed. And uh, there is a, a big demand for police officers to do less of the social services and um, to reallocate those funds. I would ask that um, 
agencies considering this, municipalities that are considering this, to establish a plan to pass those responsibilities on from the police department to someone who's prepared and trained for that. We know that law enforcement uh, became involved with social services because of cuts to social services. Mental hospitals were shut down because of a, a, a court decision, but there was no safety net um, set up in its place. And because policing is the only 24 seven operation, they well, were tasked with handling it. Uh, 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 something that you know they didn't volunteer to do. But if you take those responsibilities away from policing, what is the plan to have those communities better served? And I would say that when deciding to cut budgets that we don't leave vulnerable populations in a worse situation than they were before. Totally agree. Mo, anything to add to that? No, I, I think that was really comprehensive. I think the only other thing I, I would note is that even if a jurisdiction is going through that process of disaggregating the police function and sort of reassigning um, sort of first response responsibilities to other social service providers, that doesn't mean that they can't also do the work of deeply examining who their police officers are, right? Even in a jurisdiction that is, it has budget cuts to the police department, they still have a police department. So those, these efforts aren't mutually exclusive and you know, really deeply examining who your officers are is part of the reform process. Well said. We're looking at next steps for 30 by 30. Uh, how can our listeners hear more about it? Uh, we know you have a website and we know the chiefs can jump on and sign the pledge and, and uh, get the resources from you. What's, what's next for you? Yeah, well, definitely follow us on Twitter as well, 30x30 initiative. Um, and on our website, you'll see that there's an opportunity to sign up for newsletters. Um, we're about to be launching a monthly webinar series to support agencies in doing this work. Um, we'll, of course, be presenting in conferences across the country um, and are actively fundraising to be able to provide a lot more robust technical assistance to agencies who are committing to advancing women in policing. Well, great. Well, thank you both for taking the time uh, to tell us about the initiative, and we hope to get some updates from you as, as the years progress and your numbers climb. Um, thank you so much for, for taking the time today. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. So to our listeners, if you're enjoying the show, take a moment to leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Let us know what you think about the 30 by 30 initiative. Uh, are you, is your agency part of the pledge? Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, or me on Policing Matters at policingmatters at police1.com. That's police1one.com. Drop us a note, share your ideas, suggestions, feedback, or just to say hello. Love reading your messages, and we may feature your comments on a future episode. Well, thanks for listening. Stay safe, be well, and uh, see you soon. I'm Jim Dudley. Bye.